Phishing is the dream AI use case. My family actually thought that I broke the family computer. I tried to convince them that I was making them more safe and secure because Windows has viruses and we had gotten viruses in the past. If you were looking to start a cybersecurity company, I would recommend to look at starting a cybersecurity AI company. Who says tech can't be human? What's going on, Hacker Valley fam? Welcome back to the show. Today's episode is very, very very special. Today, we're going to be talking about artificial intelligence. Right now, AI is the most trendy topic in the world right now, and it's for good reason. It's going to change the world, whether you like it or not, and really, it already has. I'm excited to talk about how AI is the tool and not the toolbox. AI is a tool that everyone should be at least investigating, but it's not here to do everything for you. It's not going to take away all of the jobs and technology, no matter what we read or hear about on the internet. I want to start off with a bit of a story. I'm going to tell you a bit about my upbringing in cybersecurity. Before I got started professionally, I was a wee wee teen and I wanted to be the best hacker in the world. I wanted to be the first to break into systems and then help companies and governments and tell them how I did it so I could be a superhero and save the day, but also so I could be super rich and famous. When I got started on this journey, I remember the struggle. There was a lot of struggle in technology and cybersecurity around 15 years ago. Things were complicated. I remember when I would try to compile Linux and FreeBSD, and it took forever. It was very hard. If you were able to get Linux or FreeBSD compiled and installed on your PC, it felt like a personal achievement. And let me tell you something funny. I installed Linux on my family PC. Y'all, my whole family got mad at me. The user interface and user experience was just so bad at that time. My family actually thought that I broke the family computer. I tried to convince them that I was making them more safe and secure because Windows has viruses and we had gotten viruses in the past, but they didn't want anything to do with Linux. They told me, bring on the viruses. We'll just buy an antivirus. So just take Linux off of our family computer. That was my first taste in feeling the friction and complexity with cybersecurity. As time went on, I started to see that friction might be my reality and I might have to work hard for everything manually. Fast forward to starting my professional career in cybersecurity. I had about two years of experience when I stumbled across something amazing. It was Python programming. I learned how to do data manipulation and web requests without being in front of my computer. And let me tell you, my life was changed for the better. Automation saved my career. I don't know how I would have been able to cope without automation because I am one to feel the fatigue that analysts get working in the SOC and feeling burnt out and overwhelmed due to the sheer numbers. Fast forward again to 2017, 
I'm in automation paradise. I'm working for a security automation company called Demisto, and I feel like I'm starting to make an impact in my career. I'm helping organizations automate incident response processes, and I'm spending less time with the manual work, especially phishing emails. I noticed something interesting, though. The adversaries were no longer script kitties. And not only were they not script kitties, but in some instances, they had more skills than I did. My automation wasn't as effective because the adversary, they had a deep level of understanding of my tactics, trade crafts, and technologies, but also a deep understanding with how detections worked as a whole. And someone on my team goes, what if we use statistical models to try to get one step ahead of the attacker? And surprisingly, it worked. We use very basic data science principles to find anomalies instead of using detection rules and expert systems. And using statistical models gave us a slight advantage. At that moment, I knew that automation is a constant evolution. And that's the same for artificial intelligence. It's constantly evolving. At first, we were building expert systems, then it was statistical models, and today it is AI. The evolution happened. We have to up our game, period. And AI is just one of the ways that we will up our game. And we will continue to use new technologies that are even beyond AI in the future. This episode is a bit interactive. You may be listening to it on a podcasting platform. This episode is also available on YouTube. So you can jump into YouTube, subscribe, and also watch the video as I go through some of the AI questions, concepts, and subjects I'm going to be talking about in this episode. First, we got to do a little bit of groundkeeping and talk about what is AI. And better yet, the technology that we have today, is it truly artificial intelligence? When you look at something like ChatGPT, Claude 2, Google Bard, are these technologies really artificial intelligence? The godfather of AI, John McCarthy, came up with a definition. And the definition of AI is the science and engineering of making intelligent machines, especially intelligent computer programs. The next question that John McCarthy answered is, what is intelligence? Intelligence is the computational part of the ability to achieve goals in the world. So with those two questions in mind, what is AI and what is intelligence? Chat GPT, large language models, and even many statistical models. Statistical models are a subset of AI. These are artificial intelligence systems. Artificial intelligence systems achieve a goal, and they do this in the form of a computer program. So if you ever are on edge or thinking, is this really AI? Can we compare AI to human intelligence? No, we cannot. But the applications that we have today are AI in the sense that John McCarthy thought of back in the 80s. Now that we have some groundkeeping out of the way for defining what artificial intelligence is, let's talk about what can I do with artificial intelligence? If you work in cybersecurity, there are many use cases. Some use cases have been around for years and some are starting to pop up more and more. The first use case is anomaly detection. Anomaly detection is pretty vast, but when you think about anomalies, there's patterns in information, whether it's in the form of alerts, incidents, or just logs that you collect. Anomaly detection is finding those needles in the haystacks that do not belong there. 
if I were to be typing out a sentence and I had a typo, that's an anomaly. Same for if you were doing some type of security analysis, you're looking at logs, you're looking at alerts, and you find something that stands out that is not normal, that's also malicious or suspicious, that is anomaly detection. We see this day in and day out with phishing. Phishing is the dream AI use case because we have large language models today and phishing is built around language. It's there to trick us. But not only do we get phishing, but we also get spam emails. We get normal emails and there's even promotional or marketing emails. And AI is great for helping us with finding the malicious emails, but also with finding the things that we just don't want in our inbox. I have an example in front of me. It says, congratulations, you've been chosen to get an exclusive reward. Your name came up for a brand new Milwaukee M18 combo. This is my big day because I rarely win prizes and this email did land in my inbox before I marked it as spam. The danger of anything getting into your inbox that doesn't belong there is that you might click it. This is no secret for cybersecurity practitioners. There's a few ways that we find anomalies or that we find and classify phishing emails. The first way is through looking at the headers. A lot of the times when you're looking at headers, that's enough to determine if this email is anomalous, if it should not be there. What I'm going to do next is I'm going to take all of the headers from this email that says that I won a prize and I'm going to take the headers and I'm going to paste them directly into ChatGPT. And I'm going to say, hey, ChatGPT, please classify this email based on the email headers. And I'm going to give it three classifications. I'm going to give the classifications and mark them as clean, spam, and phishing. And then I'm going to paste in the headers. ChatGPT is now responding that this is a phishing email. It's not marking it as spam. It's not marking it as normal. It's marking it as phishing. This is important because phishing has an intention. Phishing attempts are trying to gain access to a system or a user or an identity. And spam is more of a monetary tactic, ways to get clicks or ad revenue. This is spam. Uh, but this email was marked as phishing and ChatGPT is giving me the context as to why it thinks it's phishing. Considering the combination of a suspicious sender address, a claim of winning a prize, and no personalization to the recipient makes this email appear to be a phishing attempt that is trying to deceive the recipient into revealing personal information or taking some malicious action. This is great. I really appreciate it, ChatGPT. You've done a bang up job and it can do a lot more. I've passed in Python scripts. I've even passed in Terraform configuration as well, and it always does a great job at finding anomalies, vulnerabilities, and misconfigurations. In addition to ChatGPT, there's many other AI tools and large language models out there that are at your disposal. I'm gonna share two tools next. These two tools are Descript and Claude2. If you are a cybersecurity creator, I would highly recommend checking out Descript. What you can do with Descript is you can take an audio or video file and transcribe it into text. Now, usually with audio or video, there's someone that listens to the audio or video file 
and types out the transcript. This is painful, it's tedious, it takes a lot of time, and it's pretty expensive. It could cost you a dollar a minute, and if you have something that is 100 minutes, that's gonna be $100, and that's just for one video. Well, what you can do with Descript is you can take an audio or video file, drag it in and drop it, and you can transcribe it into English and also other languages. It doesn't just stop there though. You can tell Descript how many speakers are in a given transcript and audio file. So what I've done is I've taken a previous live stream that I've had called Mastering the Art of Storytelling in Cybersecurity. If you're interested in this live stream, don't worry, I'm gonna drop it into the show notes and description wherever you're listening or watching so you can check that out. But I'm gonna take this file and I'm gonna drop it into Descript and I'm gonna allow it to transcribe the entire file. Then what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna tell it the speakers that were in this file, really for this file, it's just me and my brother, Chris Cochran, and it does a great job at transcribing it. Now with AI tools, you gotta remember that there are errors that can happen. With any transcription tool that's using AI, I usually see errors, especially when it comes to acronyms. If you're using acronyms like IPv6, CHASM, uh, GRC, AI tools may be hit or miss with getting the transcription just right. Now, what I could do is use something outside of ChatGPT and mix things up and summarize this live stream. This is what I do with a lot of the content that I watch that I just don't have the time to spend and dedicate to. If something is more than an hour, I'm either gonna listen to it on a walk or I'm not gonna listen to it at all. So summarization is extremely important. Well, I can use this tool called Claude2. That's C-L-A-U-D-E-2. It's by a company called Anthropic, and it's completely free. The really awesome thing about Claude2 is the character limit. With something like ChatGPT, if you're using the free edition, I think that it's around 6,000 characters, which isn't really that much because if you're listening to a podcast episode like this, that's gonna be way more than 6,000 characters. Claude 2 allows you to enter in 100,000 characters and it can do many things like ChatGPT. It can do summarization, it can write Python or JavaScript or really any programming language for you, but it also can be your creative assistant. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna to go to Claude 2, I'm gonna paste in the transcript that I got from Descript and I'm going to ask it to summarize this podcast transcript and provide bullet points in and provide bullet points on the subject matter. I work best with instruction manuals. Please summarize this podcast episode as if it were an instruction manual. I'm not sure about you, but that's how I like to work. Give me instructions so I can follow them. So what Claude 2 is now doing is giving me bullet points. The first bullet point says, Storytelling is an important skill for cybersecurity professionals to master. Good storytelling skills helps convey complex technical information and get buy-in for security initiatives. This is something that I did say on the live stream, so this is perfect. It also has the chapters of the live stream that I had in my notes before going live. It has the chapters of when I talked about the hero's journey in storytelling, the story circle, and also the rags to riches story format. Uh, both of these tools, whether you're using ChatGPT or Claude2, are very fast. 
even Descript worked really fast. I think it only took about 20 seconds to transcribe this video that I dropped into it. What I hear a lot is, hey, Ron, I don't want to enter in personal information. I don't want to enter in sensitive information into these tools like ChatGPT or Descript because they might be using my information for training. And that's true. They are. But so is Google, Microsoft, Amazon. Every company that has access to your personal information is likely using it in their AI models or statistical models. Um, so it's important to be familiar with their privacy policies and also their data use agreements. <laughs> what I've seen a lot of people do is take the privacy policies or data use agreements and put those into a tool like ChatGPT and summarize them because they are really long and sometimes hard to read and feel obfuscated. So that's something that you can absolutely do, but don't let that be your barrier to entry. Just don't put in information that you don't want someone to have and put in the information that is publicly available. Like this podcast episode, you can totally drag and drop this into Descript and then ChatGPT or Claude 2 and get yourself a summary to save yourself some time if you can't commit to a full episode or a longer piece of content. Next, I want to talk a little bit about data science. Data science is a very important concept in cybersecurity because it gives us the edge as practitioners. Attackers are using data science. They're crawling the internet. They're finding low-hanging fruit and then launching automated exploitation against vulnerabilities or misconfigurations. Well, we can do the same, and I'm not going to do that with a, an attack, but I'm going to do it with something that's a bit more interesting. Many people that reach out to me on LinkedIn or any social media platform are wanting opportunity. They want to stand out online and they want to do it by being themselves and having AI be an inspiration for their creative works. Well, what I have here is a CSV of all of my LinkedIn posts over the past two years. This CSV has the amount of likes, shares, comments, and views for each of my LinkedIn posts. Now, what I can do with this information is go back to my trusted friend, ChatGPT again, and use the code interpreter feature. They actually just renamed this to Advanced Data Analysis. But what we can do is we can take a CSV, a JSON file, or just even a text file and drag and drop it into ChatGPT. This does require the paid version. You have to have ChatGPT Pro. But what we can do is give it the CSV file and tell it to analyze my LinkedIn posts and help me get an understanding of which posts that will help me stand out the most. Use likes, comments as a standout metric. What it does next is it starts performing data science on this CSV file. It's using Python to perform data science and it's loading the CSV file into Pandas. Pandas is a very popular data science library for Python. And what it did first is looked at all of the columns within the CSV file. It sees that there's a post ID column, there's a author user ID, the likes, comments, shares, and so on. As it's running through and performing analysis on this CSV file, it's giving me all the context. Not only can I see the output of what it's run, but I can drop down in ChatGPT and see what was the code that it used 
to produce the output. At the very end, it's letting me know that the top 10 keywords that I should use in my LinkedIn posts are cybersecurity, hacker, valley, security, podcast, Chris, media, new, live, and Cochrane. This gives me the idea that when I post and share that I should absolutely mention Hacker Valley. I should continue to have Chris Cochran as my collaborator. That's my bro. Of course I should. But it's letting me know that these are the posts that stand out the most. At the very end, it's giving me the average amount of likes and comments per keyword. So I can use this as some information to determine what I'm going to post about especially when I'm thinking about my audience. I want to make sure that I'm catering my posts to my own personal preferences, but to also the people that are consuming it, because if I didn't care about that, why would I post in the first place? You can use tactics like this to get a job. You can use tactics like this to get opportunities to speak at events. If you've noticed that people are typically liking and commenting on your posts when you speak about security architecture, that might be an opportunity to lean in a bit more to that discipline and just have a better shot at standing out. This episode is titled AI is the tool, not the toolbox. Of course, you should be careful with what information you put into AI and large language models, but it's also important to keep in mind that AI can be compromised like an application or your laptop or any asset, really. I have this resource in front of me that has the four most common attacks according to Google's red team. The first attack is adversarial attacks on AI systems. Adversarial attacks include writing inputs specifically designed to mislead an ML model. This results in incorrect output or an output that it wouldn't give in other circumstances, including results that the model could specifically be trained to avoid. I've seen this over and over again with uh, image recognition models where someone finds a way to upload an image of a cat, but to get the ML model to say that the image is in fact a dog. The second most common attack that Google Red Team has identified is data poisoning in AI. This is probably one of the most trendy attacks that I've seen as of late. This is poisoning the well, supplying a model that is doing active training on user data with bad data. In my opinion, there's no incentive for the attacker or defender for data poisoning attacks because no one wins. If the well is poisoned, that means the attacker is going to have a hard time using the AI tool, and so is the defender or the regular user. Um, but this is a very common attack today. The third most common attack is prompt injection attacks. Prompt injection attacks on an AI system entail a user inserting additional context in a text prompt to manipulate the model's output. You can think of a prompt injection attack similar to a SQL injection attack. Many of the AI tools out there now are trying to prevent users from doing bad things. An example of this is ChatGPT. You don't want ChatGPT to write ransomware. So OpenAI has put in restrictions to prevent someone from being able to get it to generate ransomware code. Now, a prompt injection attack would get the AI model to work around that restriction and still give it the output that it might not usually give and allows users to perform actions that typically the model would prevent. And the fourth most common attack that 
Google Red Team found is backdoor attacks on AI models. Backdoor attacks are just as they sound. You are placing a backdoor in an AI model. This means that you've likely gained access to the training set that a company is using to train the AI or ML model. Now, if you backdoor the model, this means if you're doing something like a prompt injection, you have it built into the model. You might be able to gain access to the system a little bit easier, but you might also be able to infer information that other users are passing into the model or infer information that the model was trained on in addition to your backdoor. Now, this could be pretty devastating. I think that this is an attack that we'll see more and more of because this is probably the most beneficial attack for an attacker because it's persistent. In this episode, we've covered a lot of ground. There's one more thing that I wanted to go over, and that is the opportunity that exists for anyone that wants to start an AI or ML security company. I have a resource pulled up from Night Dragon, and there's a few things that really stood out to me as an enthusiast, as a researcher, and as someone that is an entrepreneur. It says that new vendors continue to emerge and meet the demand for ML model security as AI applications continue to skyrocket, highlighting a new era in cybersecurity and machine learning. In this article, it also mentions that the space is ripe for innovation to happen. There's hundreds of millions of dollars that have already gone into AI security companies. If you are looking to start a cybersecurity company, I would recommend to look at starting a cybersecurity AI company. And there are very few generative AI experts out there. There's even fewer experts that have a focus on generative AI and cybersecurity and securing those models for businesses. Many businesses are trying to build their business around AI models so they can give their users and customers information even faster. So this is a very, very ripe opportunity that I'm excited by and that I know that we'll see more of. I wanted to give a quick shout out to a few companies that are doing some amazing work in the space of cybersecurity and AI. The first one is Sysdig. Sysdig, they've launched their new AI called Sage. Sysdig Sage gives teams and organizations an AI assistant for securing their cloud environments and workloads. It's really impressive because it feels like a chat GPT-like interface where it's very simple. You can type in a text prompt, but as it gives you the output, you can take actions by clicking buttons or inputting more text into the prompt and allowing your team to be a little bit faster and a little bit more secure. The second company that I want to give a lot of love to is Protect AI. They've launched their ML SecOps community, which is completely free to join. I'm going to drop the link into the show notes for you to uh, check out. But they've launched this community where they're always dropping resources, answering questions, and helping the world get a little bit better at understanding how to secure ML and AI models. The last company I want to give a shout out to is Hidden Layer. I spent a lot of time over the past few months speaking to their team, learning about how they do things. They just won Innovation Sandbox. I'm going to drop a link to the Innovation Sandbox presentation that they gave so you can check them out and get familiar with them. It is an amazing time in cybersecurity. There's a lot of opportunity to focus on the craft from a manual perspective, but also to start incorporating tools 
like AI and large language models to get a little bit faster each step of the way. In this episode, I talked a little bit about how to be creative as well. If you want to up your game in cybersecurity, you got to be creative. And one way to become more creative is by joining the Hacker Valley Creative Mastermind. Every month we meet up and we speak about subjects like AI, how to stand out in cybersecurity, and it's a melding of the minds that I would highly recommend to check out. You can find that resource by going to hackervalley.com forward slash mastermind. That is also in the show notes for you to check out. I hope you're ready to jump feet first into the world of AI. I'm going to be doing more episodes on this very subject. And until then, we will see everyone next time.